All right, just to give you a, a couple of things that we'll be going over, we're talking about the church, the doctrine of the church, and on this um, subject, uh, we're going to talk a lot about JBC, just to let you guys know, just kind of the, how the functionality of all of it and, and those things, um, and what we've chosen to do and you know why we've chosen to do it um, in regards to leadership, in regards to vision, in regards to structure, in regards to ministry, um, um, and those things. Um, and Pastor D has um, been doing it for the last, I wouldn't say he's been doing it for the last 40 years, because I think he did a lot of trial runs before, you know, the leadership structure happened, um, but um, it's kind of where it's, it's at now. So it's often something that um, we can go, well, I disagree with that. I think that uh, the church should be run this way, or I think the church should be run this way, and those things. Um, you get to tell that to Pastor D, <laughs> because he'll sit there and go, ha, 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 okay, thank you, <laughs> and then keep on, and keep on going, but um, just, kind of, just kind of those things. So we're going to talk about um, church leadership, and definitely want to go to the Bible and the doctrine of the church to try to understand um, um, church leadership um, and, going, and going through um, that pieces of it. Um, next week or the week after, um, I'm just going to give you my whole story, so we might not even have notes, <laughs> so uh, whole story in the sense of who I am, why am I here, how did I get here, why am I doing what I'm doing, what does the future look like, all those things. I'm sorry about you know, information about me, but I think it's sometimes it's good, um, always good to get to know Pastor D, and, and we've got to know him, but it's also good if, if I'm going to preach the word, <laughs> it's good for you get to know the, the foundation of what's going on in my mind, what's going on in my head, and, and those things, and even what what my focus would be all the time when we're presenting the word and, and preaching the word. But we are going to talk about church leadership, uh, looking at pastors um, and elders. Number one in our notes, pastors are to be an overseer slash leader um, to the church. Um, I say that with complete um, humility, um, but then we also want to understand what exactly um, does that mean? What does an overseer mean? Um, in a church, there needs to be a vision. In the church, there needs to be a mission. In the church, there needs to be a purpose, a direction. Now, what is that vision? What is that mission? What is that purpose? What is that direction? Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about it's the gospel, and the gospel has to be sent out through the church. So with the pastor being the overseer, What's he doing? He's setting up the vision, the mission, and the purpose of the church, and it better be centered around, you know, the gospel is, is what the pastor, the pastor does. So he takes the Bible and say, okay, I'm the overseer of this piece. Make sure the gospel is the center. Make sure it is what is driving forward. And then you watch, you observe, you set the vision, you set the mission, you set the church um, at work, you set those things that take place. Um, now, what happens is that some people will follow and some people um, will not. Um, some people are, are spectators. Some people are not spectators. Some people want to just get involved and go with that. But there has to be somebody that's going to say, this is where we're going. We're going to the gospel. And to try to f- keep that focus. First Timothy 3.1 says, It is a tr- trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of an overseer... If there is an overseer, that would be the one person that would be the overseer. If one person is aspiring to that office, it is a fine work he desires um, to do. Now, please come and hear my story because 
the fine work is defined in different people on, on what kind of work that is. But I will tell you that it is uh, a humbling um, experience to be an overseer, and we'll talk even more about that, but a very humbling experience, and C.S. Lewis puts it this way, is that pastors are nothing but a doormat that people wash their feet on on the way to heaven. So that's my heart and my mind of, oh yeah, we're an overseer, we're in a great position. No, we're a doormat that has to go and say, okay, let's, let's go this direction, let's go this direction, as we're presenting and pushing the church um, um, a, a direction. Now, the scary part about it being an overseer is that um, Timothy and Titus, First, Second Timothy and Titus, gives a whole bunch of direction about if you're going to be an overseer, this is what you need to do. This is who you need to be. And, um, and as we read this, as Dee reads it, as I read it, it's like, Oh boy, it's, it's, it's big, it's, it's, it's large. For the overseer, for Titus 1.7, must be above reproach as God's steward. Not self-willed. You know what an overseer does? Oh, I'm sending you a mission, I'm sending you a division, I'm sending you a direction. But you can't be what? You can't be self-willed. It can't be these direction. It can't be my direction. It cannot be that. We cannot be self-willed. I'm going to build this thing for my kingdom because it's not our kingdoms. We are supposed to be someone as a steward that's not driving their own agenda, but is driving specifically God's agenda. Not quick-tempered. People won't follow you if you're um, quick-tempered, describing who the person is. Um, a, a follower, and you, you see many different passages, but um, a leader is not a leader unless he has followers. Pastors are in a different situation. And the way that we are in a different situation than any business that's out there in the world is that everybody who works for you does not get paid. <laughs> it's easy when your boss say, okay, we've got 1,500 people that are signed up for this church. This is what you need to do. Do one, two, three, four, five. Well, it doesn't work that way. What happens is that the leader, according to this, is not self-willed, putting something out, not quick-tempered. You're only a leader if people are following the vision, following the direction, and following the mission. Pastor D um, uh, came up to me two years ago, and he said, um, I want you to take over preaching, you know, the main drive for the preaching. Uh, for the last 11 years, we've always known that if I don't have people following the vision, the mission that is presented, then I'm chopped liver. There's, there is no church. And, and so there's a direction in my mind is, you've got to hold on to the people. Well, if I'm quick-tempered, are people are going to listen to the gospel message? Are people going to listen to the words that are spoken? That's why these restrictions come on to the pastor. Not addicted to wine. Not pugnacious. pugnacious. Not fond or sordid gain, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he will be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and refute those who contradict. That's what the position of overseer is. He's got to carry those things for the purpose of, of holding the church um, together. 
The other thing, and, and we're talking about pastors, elders, and I put pastors slash elders. Um, and, and the reason why is because there's no, this is what the senior pastor does. There's, there's not that. It talks about this is what the elders, you know, do. And um, the elders of the church, and they're supposed to be teaching and, and, and those things. That's why I kind of put those in there together. But there's a passage here in Acts 11. Now people might go, whoa, I don't, know if I, I don't know about this. But what does this passage say? The disciples were in charge, the pastors, apostles, were in charge of the money. Look at this. And in the proportion, look at this verse, in the proportion that any of the disciples had means... Each of them determined to send a contribution for the relief for the relief of the brethren living in Judea, and this they did, sending it in charge of Barnabas and Saul and to the elders. So, um, money um, is a part of the church, and the reason why money is a part of the church is because we need to send people out. There has to be dollars that 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 are specifically specifically coming in. And so you see in this passage that the disciples were the ones who were pushing those dollars forward. Um, that's not good. We should be put, who should be pushing the dollars forward? Um, anybody that holds the mission, the vision, and the purpose of the church, if the dollars are not behind it, then it can't, it can't, be, it can't, be, it can't be done. It can't, it can't move. It can't happen. Now, I'll get into explaining, you know, the dollar thing here in a, in a second. Um, but I work with Africa, um, um, work with the missions program for, um, for seven years. Uh, that was my primary job here at this church. Um, the way that I got introduced to the missions program is I had never left the country before in my life. And um, I was hired here um, in July, October. Um, Dee says, I want you to go to Africa with me. And I'm like, oh, you do, huh? It's like, yeah, I, I just want you to go to see Africa because our church is involved in Africa. I'm like, okay, I'll get to Africa. So sure enough, I show up in Africa, and I will tell you that as soon as I walked outside this country and walked into Africa, it was overwhelming. It was big. It's like, oh, my goodness, look at all the stuff that's taking place. Look at this. Country. I mean, it was, I would just say, intimidating. And I were, was driving through the streets of Freetown the very first day that I was there, and Freetown is completely chaotic. And as I was driving the van, I'll never forget, Dee said, when we get back to the church, I'm giving you this whole mission program, and you're going to be in charge of all of it. <laughs> I was one day in charge of the entire missions program by being in another country in one day. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, um, so I come back, and we come back. He says, okay, the first thing I want you to do is I want you to come to one of the board meetings. And um, I'm like, okay, I'll come to the board meeting. So sure enough, uh, the board showed up, the um, missions board showed up, and, and I showed up, and Dee was, showed up as well. And, um, and this is what he said. He says, i just let you know Mike's in charge of the missions program right now. He's the chairman of the board, and he walked out the door. <laughs> and I'm like, Dee, you got to give me some advice. He says, yeah, don't bounce the checkbook. <laughs> bounce the checkbook. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, okay. <laughs> and I, I mean, I'm just brand new a pastor. I've been a pastor for, you know, for, for, for four months. And I mean, he didn't hand it over to me, you know, you know, I think he observed me, watched me and, and those things. But he knew that if the vision mission and was in his hands, he had to have all that money moving forward. He had to have the direction moving forward. He had to have all the tools to move it forward. Well, he just picked it up and put it in somebody else's hands 
He knew that if it was going to be in somebody else's hands, he had to have the means to move it forward. And is it going to be the same vision, or is it going to be new visions? What's it, what's it going to take place? Um, so sure enough, he didn't even look at it. He just walked away, and all of a sudden we start the missions program. And as we are starting the missions program, I'll tell you how Diaz responded to me. He says, it's yours. And I would tell you, there's like, whoa, look out. But there's like, okay, here we go. So sure enough, I, I kept it for, for seven years, eight years. And we were bringing the vision to that program. We were bringing the dollars to that program. We were, the program has, has continued to move. Well, two years ago, three years ago, Dee says, I want you to give up the missions program. So I'm like, give up the missions program? Yeah, I want you to give up the missions program. What does that mean? That means hand it to somebody and get out of it. <laughs> that's, that's the way D works. You drop it to somebody, and then you walk out of it. Because if somebody else, Jerry McIntosh has now taken it, if he's going to carry that missions program, he's got to carry all the means to push that program forward. Now, I don't want to put anything down. You guys might not like the church in this result, but the number of people that you have on a board or even like a congregation, you bring all these minds together. And as you bring all these minds together, okay, we have the missions program. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. No, I want you to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. And all these minds are working together because everybody has the power to make the decisions but the way that Jefferson Baptist works is give that one person the drive forward. And when you give that one person the drive forward, give them all the support he needs. Put the board behind him to lift him up. Put the, and all those things to put the board behind him to keep him accountable. Put the board behind him to make sure that the ministry goes in the right direction. Um, but there's no micromanagement. There's no control. I mentioned before, two years ago, Pastor D says, I want you to take over and preaching. Pastor D has been preaching for 40 years in this church. Now, if you have somebody that's skilled, trained, understands how to do it, and the whole congregation is following him, you're going to think that there's going to be some micromanagement that's going to take place. You're going to think that there needs to be some strict instructions on what to preach, how to preach, and those things. Um, I will tell you that how it was handed off to me. You're going to preach. Figure it out. I'll support you when you need it. <laughs> I'm like, well, don't you want me to preach certain subjects? He says, yeah. Pick them. I don't care. I mean, I never told him what I was preaching, where I was going, or, or, or anything. He's like, if you're going to do this, you're going to lead this, and I'll be nothing but a support in the process. Now, what happens in, in um, all churches... I'm, I'm no, I don't mean to stereotype, but the majority of churches, the majority of businesses, the majority of, of things in the world is that the transfer of leadership is never, is rarely often done in harmony. And what I mean by that is that D and I have no reason why we should get along. Why? Because we're two strong, passionate leaders. So if you have two strong, passionate leaders... One of the leaders, which is, which is D, looks at me and says, take it over, and then he understands his assignments. And what's his assignments? I can't micromanage it. I cannot control it. I cannot suffocate it. I cannot own it. I cannot carry it. I cannot, and his job's harder than mine, and even in regards to preaching. 
Um, v is the most amazing support that I have in this church. Um, but what does he do? He brings support. He brings encouragement. He gets underneath me for the purpose of pushing me forward. And the reason why leadership doesn't work when it's, it's handed over is because often it's like, okay, I'm going to put you in this position. I'm still in charge, but let me tell you everything you need to do. And people can't work under it. Um, I can't work under it. And D knew that before I was ever in this position. And he understood that. So what he said is, here we go. And this is what took place. Now, on the flip side of that, D holds leadership in many different positions in this church. He holds the money that takes place. So in other words, he's the one that instructs the money. He does not instruct the money with the missions. No, Jerry McIntosh instructs the money with missions. He does not instruct the money with the homeland missions. No, the homeland missions board instructs that money with those. But in the general fund, he's the overseer of that. He's the administration um, of the staff. Um, he is also the administration of the building project. You know, we're doing a, a special offering. If you notice that Dee's writing all these comments of, hey, get a special offering, and, and, and I am pushing it to him. The reason why is because that's his position. And what is that? I pull back, and he just runs that and drives that. Um, I went into his office um, about two months ago, and um, I said, D, I have um, um, some suggestions. <laughs> what does that mean? That means that I disagree with a little bit. and not, I, I didn't even disagree. What I wanted to do is I wanted to do something different um, in regards to, like, the building project. I had something in my mind. I'm a leader. That's just what happens. And uh, so I walk in his office and says, okay, what about this instead of that? And, uh, and he just looks at me and says, get on your own turf. <laughs> and I'm like, that's right. I'm not on my turf. See, what happens is everybody is on their turfs running their different pieces of ministry and missions. And he didn't say it in that rough of terms. But, you know, we, we, you know we, I made a statement, and he's thinking about the statement. And as he's thinking about the statement, you know, those, those things kind of work out because he's in charge of that. I will tell you what the argument was. Um, and it wasn't an argument. It was my encouragement to change something. Um, I went in there a couple months ago, and I said, D, your carpet is purple. My carpet is purple. And it's been purple for 40 years. Purple is out we need to change it. And I think he almost took offense to that. <laughs> and, but he solicited and listened. And then I had a couple other items that, you know, they, maybe we should try something like this. And he's, you know, you can just, you just oh, it's, it's fine. So, uh, so we had that great conversation. We left complete unity, complete harmony. And uh, then I was in his office and there are times, change my carpet. But make sure I'm long gone on my bike trip before it happens. And I don't want to see anything. <laughs> and so I think, after it sunk into his mind, it's his area, I made a suggestion. He said, okay, i got to see what kind of control I have in my area. He wants a carpet change. Let's do it. So last week, guess what happened? My carpet got changed. What's going to happen next week? His carpet is going to get changed. And who's in charge of that? D is. I made a suggestion that said no, but he circled around and says, okay, we'll, we'll do it. That sounds like a good idea. So anyway, those are the things that, that we work of where we keep this harmony is that we, we have leaders, and inside these leaders, they drive the mission, they drive the money, they drive the purpose, they drive those things, and, 
D is the overseer to make sure that, okay, hopefully we're driving right, we're driving good. He watches me, observes me. Hopefully we're on the right track. Well, if I'm preaching on the right track, he doesn't touch me, you know, in regards to the drive, the drive of the church. So when it comes to money, if we said, all right, $100,000 is going to come in for the building project, all of us are going to make a decision off of it. <laughs> what are we going to do? We got 80 people that have an idea of what we can do. And what do we have? We'd have an extreme amount of, sadly say, conflict just in those results. That's why D says, we're overseers of the church, a very humbling task, extremely humbling task, that it has a lot of requirements as we continue to move. Now, say if uh, um, the overseer makes a bad direction, goes off on a wrong direction, what's going to happen? Um, the elders are there, and they're like, oh, whoa, 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 on a second, and, and grab hold. But even if the direction is just a horrific direction, you are only a leader unless you're followed. So in other words, you give the thing to Jerry, and if Jerry is moving forward with full force, with integrity, with growth, with passion, and everybody's following him inside the group of the missions, it's working. And, um, but if there's a sidetrack, we see things start not working. So that's where it's kind of being run um, in those things. So Titus 1.5 says, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as a directed to you. This is the process of the church that is being built. I'm sending you to Crete to drop an elders, the, a handful of people, and elders as will be teachers or leaders, drop that to build what? To build, to build, to build the church. Number two, um, pastors um, are to equip the saints. That's what their job is. Pastors or elders are, are to bring, um, equip them. Ephesians chapter 4. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some of his evangelists, and some as pastors, and some as teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body. Um, so there's a lot of people in this world that say, you know, pastors, we should have a volunteer situation. In other words, they should just be volunteer. Um, they shouldn't receive a salary. They shouldn't be full-time. They should be all volunteers as we move. If there is, that's good. That's all right. That's healthy. But if a pastor can put 60 hours a week into specifically the church, and somebody has chosen to feed his family for putting the 60 hours a week, what are you going to get? You're just going to get more. Uh, and that's really what pastor being paid is. You will just be able to get more time overseeing, more energy, more passion, more drive. Um, when you hear a sermon that's being preached, how long does it take me to, to put it together? Um, I'm new at it, so it takes a little longer than it does Pastor D. But I want to make sure that there's study all the way around. And so as I am in a position, you pay me to devote an extreme amount of time and attention into the Word, extreme amount of time attention into prayer, extreme amount of attention into overseeing, into mission, all those things. That's the only reason why you have somebody that you literally pay is because you want to put one person in more time, put more time into, into that. Now, if we're all volunteers and we're all on the, the same page, who can vote, who can vote, and those kind of things, but that's what a salary is, is just, I want you to take 
time and devoted. So what do we do as pastors? He says, I want you to work 63 hours a week. So that's just the average. 3,000 3, hours um, a year. Um, 63 hours a week? So, oh, is that a long time? Is that not a long time? He goes, well, I'd like people in the church to work 20 hours. <laughs> he just makes that statement. It'd be great if they just work 20 hours, 10 hours, 5 hours, 4 hours, you know, just those things, whatever they can. But nobody will unless the pastor puts 60 hours in a week. And so you get 20 volunteer hours, and then I'll pay you for 40. It's <laughs> kind, of, kind, of, kind of where it's at. So um, when we look at those um, amount of hours into um, equipping the saints, 40 hours go specifically into, and I'm not very structured on it, but equipping the saints, working with the saints, studying and teaching and those things. And 20 hours is supposed to go just for my spiritual health of reading the Bible, of prayer, of, of commitment. So I literally get paid for reading my Bible in the morning. Now we tell everybody, read your Bible every day. Well, I get paid for it, kind of. Why? Because my 63 hours would consume of my personal devotion time, my personal prayer time, my personal of listening to sermons. That's why we can't work 40 hours. Because if it wasn't, then, then we wouldn't do, we'd be doing just you know, hardly anything compared to what you guys would be doing. We'd expect more of you than we'd expect of ourselves. And that's where um, if we're going to equip the saints, there has to be that base, and then there has to be a whole other focus of the job of equipping saints. And that's where, um, that's where we have gone um, as a church to do it. Pastors are to shepherd the flock. What does shepherd the flock mean? Um, shepherding the flock is you just look at the shepherd. Shepherd what takes care, make sure the flock is all working, functioning. Um, and those things, how do we shepherd the flock? Um, Pastor D keeps a a close eye on the flock, <laughs> try to keep close eye on the flock, um, just in a lot of different areas. You know, years and years ago, we had um, somebody, a lady that just loved to sit on everybody's laps. <laughs> and uh, and uh, being a man, it's like, oh, I don't know if this is, you know, the men, scare men a little bit. And so what do we do? It's like, okay, hold on a second. We don't want it, this peace in the church. We're, we're just shepherding an atmosphere that is healthy. So we pull her aside and we just talk to her and says, you know, a distance would be good. Personal space. You know, we're not from another country who kiss each other when we walk through the door. You know, you just, just be careful a little bit. And let me tell you what's in a guy's mind often. And you just got to be very careful with those things. So it's just keeping the flock, making sure everything is healthy. We're in a day and age where um, um, people are falling into sexual sins. And, and we see that in Salem. And we see it in you know, um, all across the news. I don't mean to mention specific locations, but what we have to do as, as pastors is make sure all the homework is done in regards to if it's not done, we're going to be in trouble. And to shepherd the flocks, make sure everybody's taken care of, the youth need to be trained of not dating somebody else that they're in charge of, not to touching, no sexual contact, all those things, we have to make sure all those things are in place to make sure that the harmony of the, the, body, um, the body is there. So that is our homework. We're living in a day and age where there's more homework than we think um, in regards to lawsuits because everybody wants to, everybody wants to sue. So some of the lawsuits is we're um, in a day and age where, where um, male can marry male and female can marry female. Um, and it's... it's legal. So um, do we do that? Is that where the church is going 
to go. Well, we need to shepherd the flock. We need to focus on the gospel. We need to focus on the word of God. So the answer is no. So then the questions arise, well, can we be sued if we don't? Is a church going to be sued if we don't? Well, we know the law. <laughs> and, the, and the way that, you know, Pastor D and I, we know the law is that we can stand at the side of the door and we can filter anybody that comes in. We can say, um, you can come in, but you can't. Yeah, come on in. No, you go, you go. We have, it's called the cross law, <laughs> not necessarily, but the law of, 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 of religion. And so what we can do with religion, how do I say this, is that we can say, we can say okay, certain people can come in, certain people can't come in. I'll tell you where we're at. Everybody is welcome to the door. Absolutely everybody is welcome through the door. But the standards will not change from the Word of God. So as people are walking through the door, we are going to work with people. We are going to love with every single person. But what if somebody is in here that we are loving on that says, thank you for letting me go to your church. Will you please marry me, male, male, or female, female? Will we, you know, get sued? So some things that um, we know in regards to the law is that the church can only function under their bylaws. And if they function under their bylaws, we can say, I'm sorry, that does not reach our bylaws. And we can say, we can't do it. And that person can't sue us. Now, the person goes, whoa, wait, wait a second, I'm going to sue you anyway. Um, so then that person starts going to sue us. Well, the, what would happen if they started to sue us is they would look at our bylaws and they would see if we've reached outside of our bylaws. And what that would be is, what if we have allowed some other business walk in the door? And if we allowed another business to walk in the door and used our church outside of our bylaws, so say we rented it for um, a community service specifically, that's not inside of our bylaws. The person that wants to get married can look at that and say, oh, I'm suing you, and see what you've done is you have reached outside of your bylaws, and now you're reaching outside, you won't reach outside your bylaws for me. They can sue us. But if we live inside of our bylaws, they can't sue us. So what do you need? You need a shepherd. <laughs> you need an overseer that watches that, that takes care of that to make sure we're walking in line so a lawsuit doesn't, doesn't take place. Uh, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 3. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as fellow fo- elders and witnesses of suffering of Christ and partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you. Exercise oversight. What is shepherding? It's exercising the oversight over the church, making sure that the church is protected. But how do you do it? Not under compulsion by any means, but voluntarily according to the will of God and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but, provide, but proving to be examples of the flock. That's the instructions of the person that's supposed to, to, um, to bring oversight um, to the church. And that's what the instructions of pastors are to be. Number four, pastors are to guard the doctrine of the church. Believe it or not, there is more energy in, in this than you um, know. <laughs> a lot of people have different minds, and a lot of people have different agendas. And some of the minds and some of the agendas are, can be radical. And, um, and there's um, some doctrines out there that will go this direction or go this direction, and we want to feed off of the gospel. 
And that's what we're going to continue to do. And if there's ministries or missions that are outside of that, we're going to say, okay, hold on a second. We've got to guard this doctrine. We're not going to do this. There's a lot of doctrine out there right now, and even inside of, of, of that's touching our church, is to empower an individual with a spirit that gives him strength, majesty, and honor. If I can touch a hold of God and do this, then God will do this to me and effects will take place. That's not the gospel. Why? Because it points away from the cross into a human being. So it's a doctrine that says, oh, it's like, we, we don't do that. We're not into empowering a person. We're, empower, we're into empowering the Lord Christ on the cross. And so those things we just have to watch in regards to doctrines to make sure that we're walking in a straight line where God gets all the glory, gets all the strength, gets all the beauty as we continue to work towards that direction. We're going to go a little bit faster. Pastors are to preach the word. What does the word um, preach mean? Uh, the Greek word means to literally herald. And a heralder is what? A heralder is, if you look back in the ancient time, a heralder is one that wore a nice little suit and a nice little bell. And he would walk out amongst all the people and he'd go, cling, 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 hearie, hearie, hearie. And the whole town would come to what? To listen to the heralder? No. To listen to the news of the heralder, because the heralder is going to give the words of the king. He's going to give the words of the king. He's not going to give his own words. He's going to give the words of the king. So the whole preaching thing is never about the preacher. It's about what are the king going to say? So if we're going to preach the word, how do we do it? Well, if we come up and say, hey, let me give you my opinion. Let me give you my desire. Let me give you, you know, what I'm thinking. That's wrong preaching. We have to open up the word of God and say, all right, let me give you what the king says. Because whatever the heralder says is very listened to, but nobody gives a rip about the heralder. They just want to know what the king has to say. So that's the job of the preacher is to be the heralder. And the heralder does not give his own opinions. This is scary for a preacher. <laughs> it's, it's scary for me. And, and even when it comes to um, preaching with authority, um, I'll tell you, I, I, I struggle with it a little bit because I don't want to listen to myself talk. I'm not supposed to listen to myself talk. I'm just supposed to unfold the word, look at the word, feed off the word, listen to these words, and prayerfully, as the words are spoken, you understood what was in the mind and the heart of God, not was what on the mind and the heart of the preacher. So that would be a specific job that is scary for the preacher. He's a heralder of God's, of God's message. The, usually the king doesn't stand up and give the message. A heralder does instead, and that is what a preacher, um, um, preacher does. So I'm going to open it up for questions. Um, does anybody have any questions? Um, at all. We're gonna, we can talk about elders um, as well, and then there's also deacons in the congregation. Boy, I don't know if we're going to I don't know if we're going to um, get through it, but that's okay. We got next week. So, right back here, then here we'll come right down. Hey Mike, you know, um, you know, I have the utmost admiration for pastors, and this is just a statement. It's not really a question. You know, with all the responsibilities that you guys have, um, and all that you do, and you know, and the 
You know, like we talked about this morning, the target that's on your back by Satan uh, attacking you and, and, and trying to, you know, to make you fall. And, you know, and then everything that you listen to, you know, because you get to listen to everybody's problems and they come to you and you counsel them and all that. The thing that, you know, and you and I have talked about this before, the thing that probably uh, kind of bothers me the, the most of all about pastors is you guys have nobody to go to. You don't have anybody to go tell your problem to, you know, and, and you, you know, that one time I called you up and asked how you were doing mm-hmm. because I really cared about how you're doing, you know, how, how's life affecting you, and, and uh, you know, I wish there, there'd be more of a group of uh, people that you guys could go to yeah. to do that, and mm-hmm. that's all I wanted to say. Yeah. Well, thank you, Terry, and, and uh, we do understand the need of who we, that we need people. And we need to go to people. Um, Dee has placed um, people in his life um, that does it, and uh, and I've placed people in in my life. Um, I um, have somebody that has no interaction with this church whatsoever, no connection. He's in, he's from Portland, and um, he's um, uh, my spiritual mentor. And what I get to do is I get to sit down and say, okay, this is what's going on, <laughs> with no connections. And he's his job is to say, what's God doing in this process? And I will tell you that in that process, I have to have that out to bring that encouragement, to bring that strength, to bring those, to bring those, um, to bring those things. And uh, so thank you for mentioning that. And, and it is essential, it is crucial, and it is absolutely um, required. And, um, and we know that it is, and we try to make sure that it is in our life and in our place. So, but thank you for, for bringing that up. Patty? When you uh, get the money for all the missions and that, or building funds, now, do you guys get estimates for what, like this group? Go a little bit closer to the mic. This whole, this group gets so much money, but yet mm-hmm. they have to have a budget, like for carpet, for example. Mm-hmm. So do you guys get an estimate to see how much the carpet is and then go from there for that group mm-hmm. wants building funds so that's going to cost a little bit more than mm-hmm. this is so yeah. does that the way it works or no great question thank you thank you for that so to answer that question is um we only spend what we and i'll get to the exact answer we only spend what we have um the question is um does it does it um how do we spend the money? Do we come together? Are we going to get the carpet? Are we going to make a decision for the carpet? How do we make that decision that that money is spent? Is that correct, Patty? And do we get bids on that carpet? Do we try to find... I'll repeat the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the money is already split up. She's saying, oh, we got a million dollars, and we got to split all this money up to make sure that, <laughs> I wish we had a million dollars. <laughs> we got a million dollars. We're going to split all this money up and try to make these decisions. The money is already split up. 
Um, so where the money is already split up is the missions has theirs, the homeland missions. That's a special offering. Homeland missions, special offering. Building, special offering. And then the general fund. One, two, three, four. It's already split up. Some of it, the majority of it, is already spent. What I mean by that is that our general missions fund is we support 96 staff in Africa. Um, so with 96 staff being supported, we have a monthly bill of about $4,000. So um, after we do the special offering that takes place, um, we, when we say, okay, the goal is 120000 well, a lot of that money is already going towards what the ministry is there, and sometimes there can be extra. So say there's 10000 or 15000 So Jerry, what he gets to do is he gets to go, okay, we got a little extra. Oh, no, we don't have as much. You know, and, and, and he works with that budget. Um, but um, a lot of that money is already spent. So now we're going to get a special offering that's going to take place. The goal is $100,000. All of a sudden, $100,000 goes into D's in charge of it, D's lap. Okay, that hundred thousand uh, dollars will be spent, and not no loans will take place. Zero. We only buy what we can afford. We need a new roof. We need those things. So what happens is that he will make the decision: do this, do this, do this. The way he makes a decision, Chris Elkins is our person that brings leadership to the building specifically. He says, "All right, Chris, get a bid on the roof. Chris, get a bid on this. Chris, get bids on this." Chris, get this. And so Chris works under the management of, of D in regards to those money. So sure enough, I say, can I have carpet? Now, when I came to carpet, um, I, was, um, I don't get to touch the, the main offering. <laughs> so I always go, hey, is there any extra in the general fund that I can have some carpet? Um, it's the only time that I've ever seen money go out from the general fund into a work project. I think that's why probably D didn't want to do it. He says, I'll give you a little bit of money from the general fund to give you carpet because it's, it's ugly. I mean, it, it, it just is. So very little dollars go out. The general fund is just for staff. When it comes for staff, the drive, the vision, the, all that stuff in the church. When it comes to um, that fund, D will say, I'm going to hire you. <laughs> going to hire you. He brings all that hiring in that takes place. Dan, you want to give it to Patty one more time, make sure I'm answering her question. But um, that's, how that, that's how that works. So what happens if your budget goes over? Do you cancel that project? Because it's only, costing a little bit more money than you figured in the beginning? We're very, very careful. Yeah. And so what happens with being very, very careful is that we want to put a roof on. We want to put siding on. We want to put a window on. We get to spend $100,000. We can't spend anything over. So we'll put the roof on. Okay, do we have any pennies left? Okay, well, let's put the side, you know, and, and it will stop. If you notice that we have half-built buildings, <laughs> not now because it finally got completed, but we've existed with half-built buildings. And the reason we existed with half-built buildings is we spend until it's out, we stop, and the building sits. Um, you could have half a roof on that building next year. You know, if that's the case, what happened? The money stops, we, we, we don't go over. Um, it's, we won't go over. Um, that's, that's why we, we, we look at that. So um, even with D, he said, okay, you can do this. How much is it going to cost you? I say, I, I think it'll cost this. I don't, you can't go over. You stop before it goes, it goes over. Yes, I've been in several different churches, and sometimes the 
body of the church votes mm -hmm. on everything. Mm -hmm. And then the elders and the pastor follow up on it. Other churches, the elders run everything and the pastor follows that. Mm -hmm. And other churches, I won't mention any of the pastors, the strong wheel, mm -hmm. the spoke in the wheel. Um, hopefully we've all got God as our ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. But whether it's this church or anyone similar to it, with elders, church body, pastor, second bananas, how does the goals, specific goals of the church say, we're going to do A, B, C, and this has got the top priority, second priority, blah, blah, blah. How does a church like ours do that? Great question. D walks into the elder board, and he says, let's go this direction. And as he's going this direction, the elders are sitting there going, thinking, okay, 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 what's again, you know, and they're walking with him or saying, well, let's talk about this a little bit in that process. Um, but the elders don't come to the elder boards and say, let's go this direction. D comes in the church and says, let's go this direction. As a result, health, growth, vision has been taking place with aggressive, um, aggressive um, ministry. And uh, that's what takes place. Um, so even when it comes to the missions, um, my name is on, when I was there, my name is on no checks. I don't get assigned any checks. Um, the reason why is because I was a spender. <laughs> so if I'm a spender, I don't sign. What you do is you go, okay, this is a direction, this is a vision, this is a mission. And people go, okay, it sounds good. And then we start going this direction. And people are supporting that as in the walk. And it's been extremely, extremely healthy. And unity has been there. Um, and it, um, there's no conflict. Um, and I would just have to reiterate constantly that the unity that is in this body is absolutely amazing and um, as a result of that structure. So the change of the structure, would it cause disunity? You know, there is um, some people that uh, will walk in the door and say, I just, I just disagree with this. And it's like, um, well, we're going this direction. <laughs> and um, and, and how, do I, how do I say this nicely? It's like, there's a thousand churches out there that go to a direction the exactly way that you want it to do it. You can, it's, it's, that's where we're going. This is where we're going. We want to make sure we're moving aggressively. And that's how we've been having the freedom to move aggressively. Now, if the pastor gets sidetracked, and I will tell you that D is into, and you're going to hear this in my story, D is into commitment. Uh, what I mean by commitment, he's here for been here for 40 years and he's going to be here for another 20 years <laughs> that's 60 years i mean all that stuff he's into commitment because he knows that pastors that come in and out of churches everything gets disaster it just turns into a mess so what happens when it comes to commitment d looks at me and says okay this is where i want to put you in this position um maybe as a preacher of the church or the leader of the church well what kind of process is that well we've been working on it for about 12 years <laughs> so it's not, you, don't, you don't just do it like that. It's a slow process, process where D will throw you into something uh, and wonder, is he going to fall, is he not? Where's his integrity? Where's his not integrity? Where's his lifestyle? Where's his character? All those things are going to come into factor with it. Yeah, Francis. Who, no, Dan. I thought you had the mic. Would you, would you rather be micromanaged? Would I rather I be micromanaged? I don't think you would want any part of that. I mean, you're talking about what I see is that D put you in there because he knew you could do it, and he didn't have to stand there and say, well, turn the crescent ranch. 
-hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. He didn't want, he, he, that, this is what he wanted, and mm -hmm. I think this is what you wanted. I don't think you could do it being micromanaged like some churches do, where he's on top of you telling you everything to do. I don't think you would want that. Sure, I, would, I, I wouldn't want to see sure, you have to go through that. What happens is that um, when it comes to micromanagement, which is, is, is all right, but what happens, it does not give you life. It does not give you passion. It does not give you drive. It does Absolutely. not give you vision. It does not give you everything that sets place. D says to everybody, set your goals. I'm not setting them for you. <laughs> Why? Well, because if he set all our goals, we'd be an oppressed congregation. Well, it's the same thing with even, mm -hmm. even like this cartooning class or, or Dave's carving class like that. The, you know, he says, I think you should do this. You know, you, they plant the seed, and then they, we talked about it. And he says, yeah. just do it. Yeah. Okay? And also, that's the way this, a lot of this church is ran, and that's the way it should be ran. Yeah. And I just think it's great because yeah. that's what makes it work. Yeah. Take off and run is that item. I just want to say one more thing before closing. Um, I didn't get into the congregation, and we're going to get into that next year. Or next year. Whew. Next, next week, we'll talk about elders, deacons, and congregation. I just want to make a fast statement about congregation. Is the way that D treats me is the way that the pastors treat the congregation in a sense of find a ministry and take off, and we'll do nothing but get underneath you and build you up. And as a result, so many ministries have happened in that church. That's where we're going to get to next week, but uh, we'll wait until next week.